Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're continuing our Christmas series today called Good News, Great Joy. In this series, Pastor Nicole has been examining the very first advent, that is looking at the people and the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus in the Bible. In the first week, we saw what was happening with Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist. Last week, we looked at how Mary reacted to the news that she would give birth to Jesus. Today, Pastor Nicole is going to take a deeper look into Mary's story, and we'll see how we can take the worries of our own situations and find the comfort we need in our worship to God. So let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole. Okay, so here's how I want to start today. Are you in the mood for a Christmas joke? Are you in the mood for a Christmas joke? Okay, it might make you groan instead of laugh, but I thought this is how we would start this morning. What do you call the fear of Santa Claus? Claustrophobia. All right. I guess it's only if he locks you up in a tightly confined space, but that's what you call the fear of Santa Claus. All right. You can tell that to someone today, Uh, but we are starting um, today is week three of our series called Good News, Great Joy. I'll finish the series up um, this Friday on Christmas Eve. Our messages in December all come from the gospel of Luke chapters one and two. And I just want to encourage you to read those chapters on your own. Uh, read them as a family, read them in a different version, uh, maybe commit some of those verses to memory. Uh, It's particularly special. It's a tradition Joel and I have every year if you read uh, those chapters on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day together. In fact, as a family, that's the last thing we read before we put our kids to bed uh, on Christmas Eve night. And so I just want to encourage you to read those scriptures because that's what Christmas is really all about. And um, continue to be proactive in sharing the message of Christmas to people you love and people in your life. In fact, we printed off another 150 invitations to our Christmas Eve service just for you to take home with you. Um, they are, Christmas Eve services are at 2 and 4, so you can take them. They're on the tables as you exit. Uh, Hand them to some people, maybe even uh, to your waiter or waitress where you're out this week or your uh, person that you go do your hair or the grocery store clerk. Just get the word out um, because maybe people will come and they'll be able to celebrate with us the wonderful news of good news and great joy that we've been talking about. Okay, so make sure you take a few of those if you haven't already this month. Now, we started this series um, talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth's surprise announcement about being pregnant and having a child named John the Baptist. And last week, we talked about how another angel visited Mary and told her that she would birth the Son of God and that she should name him Jesus. And today, I just want to continue our study in Luke 1 and look at Mary's response to this unique calling to be the mother of Jesus. All right, so we're going to look in uh, Luke 1, 39 through 45. Um, And here we see Mary traveling to visit her cousin Elizabeth after she became pregnant. Now, I I can imagine, so there was no... um, you know, digital communications then. Okay. So Mary was not able to tell Elizabeth what had happened to her and Elizabeth had not been able to tell Mary what had happened to her. And so I think after Mary had this experience with this angel, she probably figured that not many people would believe her. Not many people would understand her experience or this miraculous conception. So she thought to herself, I'm going to go visit my cousin, Elizabeth. She, maybe she was her closest friend. Maybe she'll relate a little bit. 
Now that should make you giggle a little bit because do you know what Elizabeth just happened to her? They don't even know that they have had basically a very similar experience. And so um, as Mary is traveling to see Elizabeth, little does she know when she gets to see her cousin that Elizabeth is gonna really, really relate, (laughs) okay? So let's look in um, Luke 1. 41. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, so Mary walks in the door and says, Elizabeth, the baby leaped in her womb, Elizabeth's womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the scripture says that Elizabeth prophesies, and out of her mouth, she says to Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Okay, so Mary, newly pregnant, Remember, she hasn't told Elizabeth yet. She likely would not have been showing because she was so early in her pregnancy. You, you don't often, uh, you can't tell someone is pregnant for many months into the pregnancy. Yet, Elizabeth knew right away and immediately spoke it out. In fact, I imagine that Elizabeth was probably surprised at what was coming out of her own mouth. Have you ever had that experience? You're at, like you're, you're surprising yourself with the words that are coming out of your mouth. Sometimes it's a good surprise. Sometimes it's a bad surprise, right? But you are saying these things. And Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. And Mary has this moment that I really believe is a moment of confirmation, She had just had this experience with an angel. She had just had this experience of conceiving a baby in an unconventional way. And I think in that moment, she probably thought, man, that was not a dream. (laughs) Like that wasn't fake. That wasn't exaggerated. I didn't make that up. That actually happened to me. What God said was true. And you know what I love about this passage is she knew all along he would be faithful. We know that about Mary, right? We've talked about her character. But even God sent her this validating moment of truth. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? That even in that moment, God said, I'm going to have Elizabeth prophesy and tell her that what I told you was true, that this absolutely is going to happen. So thank you, God, for your faithfulness. So upon hearing Elizabeth's words... Mary, the scripture says, breaks out in a song. Okay, think like high school musical, okay? (laughs) She just has this moment. She doesn't even know what to do. She just breaks out into a song. And this song is what we're going to talk about today, but it mirrors in many ways a prayer that Hannah, a woman in the Old Testament, prayed. Now, Hannah had no children. Hannah was ridiculed by other women because of it. And she prayed earnestly that the Lord would give her a son. And God did, and she named him Samuel. And Hannah prayed a prayer of thanksgiving and praise to God. Uh, This is found in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. And I'm just going to read you a little bit of it. It starts like this. Hannah says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. And so Hannah goes on, you can read that more in 1 Samuel 2, but as we look at Mary's song, the two very much parallel, okay? It's a very similar in um, form, in stanzas, it's very similar. Now, it's not quoting Hannah, Uh, Mary isn't just quoting the scripture that she heard from Hannah, but it seems that Mary is so steeped in scripture That when she breaks out in praise, the words that come naturally to her lips are the words of scripture. 
And so she, she has scripture so deep in her heart. We talk about that all the time, right? Having that inside of you so that when you have a moment of praise, when you have a moment of pressure, when you have a good moment or a bad moment, that what comes out of you is scripture. Now, the song itself has traditionally been called the Magnificat because the first word of the Latin version is Magnificat. Uh, this song holds a very important place in church history. In fact, for 2,000 years, it has been sung by Christians all over the world. In some churches, they sing this every single time they gather together. And it's found in Luke 1, 46 through 55. Now, we don't know the musical score that wasn't written down then, but over the years, people have uh, dreamed how it might sound. And so I just want to um, show you this. Listen to the words of Mary's song and how it may have sounded when she sang it. thinking about this moment in Mary's life. So she was a first-time mom. Some of you can relate to that moment. She was an unwed teenager that God had made an audacious promise to. And I can imagine the obstacles in front of her felt pretty big. 
She could not confide in many people due to the sensitive nature of the situation. She may have had all the new mom jitters of taking care of a newborn, fear of labor and delivery. Who would even believe her if she did tell anyone? On top of that, uh, there was political unrest at that time. There was uncertainty uh, in the government. Would she have enough resources to even care for this child? I mean, this is a pretty big responsibility, taking care of the son of God. Would they be safe? Would she fail at it? Would she do well? So many questions, not a lot of answers. And maybe you're here this morning, and that's how you feel today. Lots of questions, lots and lots of questions. (laughs) and not a lot of answers. Maybe lots of roadblocks, and not many solutions. I love how Mary shows us what to do when that happens. In that moment in Luke 1, when Mary breaks out in song, this is what I saw when I read this scripture this week, that Mary turned her worry into worship. She turned her worry into worship. And that's what we need to do. Turn our worry into worship. Someone once said this, worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. (laughs) And actually, I was thinking that's not even entirely true. Worry will get you somewhere, just not where you want to be. Worry will get you in despair, depression, despondency. But Mary chose worship rather than worry. And that doesn't mean that those concerns or those thoughts didn't come to her mind. She was human too. She had concerns. She was a young mom. These things were coming to her. This was a big assignment. But worry can either bring us toward our father or it can drive us away. And so I want to just look at a few things. What can we learn from Mary as she turns worry into worship? Here's the first thing. Instead of worry, turn your attention to God. Instead of worry, turn your attention to God. The first line of Mary's song, Luke 1, 46 through 47, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior. Leave it up there for a minute. Let's say that together this morning. Ready? My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior. That would be a great verse to memorize. (laughs) That would be a great verse to put on your car dashboard or on your mirror in the morning. Have you ever looked at the moon through a telescope? Anyone ever looked at the moon through a telescope? From here on earth, the moon looks very small. Okay, if you just look at it from your backyard and you look up, the moon looks very small because we are very, very far away from it. But when you look at it in a telescope, you can see it from a closer vantage point. You can see the crevices. You can see the texture of the moon, maybe even the man on the moon. (laughs) But if you got into a spaceship and you flew up to the moon you would see it even closer. You could even walk on the moon. And here's the deal. As you get closer to the moon, it's larger, right? As you get closer to the moon, you can see it better. Now, does the moon actually get bigger? No. Okay, that was like a, that was a really like low pitch here, guys. Okay, does the moon actually get bigger? No, it doesn't. The moon is the same size if you view it from the earth, if you view it from a telescope, or if you actually go walk on it. But what changes? The moon doesn't change. Your perspective changes. 
How you view it changes. It, it changes based on how you're looking at it. It has nothing to do with the actual size of the moon. So this is what it means to magnify the Lord. When we draw near to God, the closer we get to him, we see him as he always is. He's big. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient, right? He's sovereign. He's mighty. He's good. He's the king overall. He's larger than anyone or anything that we could ever face. And so Mary says in this moment, look, I magnify the Lord. I'm going to remember how big God is compared to all of this surrounding me. He's everywhere. His power is limitless. There is no place that God cannot be. He knows everything. He knows how afraid you are. He knows how bad you feel. He knows all the things. And I think what happens is the more worried we become, the more we act as if God is very, very small. Worry makes God small. Worry makes us look at God from our backyard at a moon that feels very, very far away. And worry begins to convince us that God is somehow ignorant of our situation. We might even convince ourselves that no one has the power to stop something bad from happening. Like not even God. No matter what happens, it's just, I'm just at the fate of the universe. And the scripture reminds us this. Instead of worrying, worship. Because as we worship, we take a trip in the spaceship to the moon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> as we worship, we get closer to God. We draw near to him. We get in his word and we pray and we worship and we enter into his presence through these avenues and we get closer to him and we get in the presence of God and our perspective is changed and we see things more accurately. We get put our boots on the ground on the moon <laughs> and we see it from a much closer place because here's the deal whether we're looking at it from the sky or the telescope or or all actually in the moment God is the same God is big we are small God can do the impossible we can't even get the wi-fi to work sometimes anybody all right <laughs> but God himself this never changes this never changes. Sometimes we forget and we worry, but this never, ever changes. All right, here's the second thing we can learn from Mary's song, is that instead of worrying, remember the faithfulness of God. Uh, let's continue reading in verses 48 through 49. It says, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So Mary remembers all God did to bless her and care for her. She calls to mind the ways God has been faithful to his promises. I love these verses because basically Mary is telling herself her own story. <laughs> She's like, hey, hey, self, let me remind you that a few months ago, you were just a humble, poor servant living an ordinary life. And now all generations are going to call me blessed. <laughs> He says, I, she says to herself, I have a calling, I have a mission, I have an assignment from God. My life matters. You know, when it comes to remembering God's faithfulness, humans can be especially forgetful. I think it's genetic. I think it's in our DNA. We see this in the book of Exodus, chapters 14 and 16. In the span of just a couple chapters, the Israelites are delivered from slavery. They're brought from the Red Sea. Okay, God literally parts the Red Sea and the people walk on dry land. And two chapters later, they're grumbling because they don't have the right food to eat. They're forgetful. 
They're forgetful about the faithfulness of God. And all this time in history later, the same sort of thing happens to us. God brings us through a trial. God answers a prayer. And within a few days, it's almost forgotten. I want to tell you a really trivial, silly little one, but this happened to me just this week. It was raining, I don't know, snowing, something, some type of precipitation, and I had something big to return to the store, and I didn't want it to get wet, and I forgot a coat and an umbrella because I'm unprepared like that, and I said, Lord, please let there just be a parking space in front of Target, and I'm telling you what, parking spaces in front of Target are hard to come by, right? Anybody out there? Amen. All right, so there was a parking space right there. And I parked in it and I went in and I did it. And you know what? I went throughout my day and it didn't hit me until I wrote the sermon four days later. I didn't even thank God for that parking space. (laughs) Now I know that's silly and that's Target. But here's the deal. We move on so quickly, don't we? Like God takes care of something and then we're already on to the next struggle on the horizon. And we're already saying, God, why did you put this situation in my life? And we forget all of the things that he's cared for and taken care of us all those times before. Our human hearts don't naturally remember God's work, so we have to find ways of remembering God's faithfulness. We have to intentionally remember, write it down, tell other people, tell the stories of how God was faithful to you over and over Make a goal to share God's faithfulness with someone every day. That builds your faith and their faith. That builds our church. You might have noticed this year, we've intentionally uh, shared testimonies. Almost every week, we have a testimony, right? You know why we do that? On purpose. So that that can build our faith and build their faith. It can build the church's faith because it reminds us of the faithfulness of God. And that's what Mary was doing. She was engaging in gratitude. And I love the way this psalm puts it, Psalm 9-1. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, and I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Gratitude keeps worry away. Gratitude keeps worry away. Gratitude articulates dependence. Every breath that we take is a gift from God. And gratitude generates humility. When we express gratitude, um, it continues to remind us how helpless we are until God intervenes. I've told you this story before, but I want to share it again. It's one of my favorite stories about praying and believing with gratitude. And it's from the life of a man named George Mueller. He was um, a man in Germany in the late 1800s. He was an evangelist. He was the director of an orphanage in England. And he is known for just his effective prayer life. And one day, the house mother of the orphanage came to George in a panic and said, listen, the children are dressed. They're ready for school. uh, But there is no breakfast. Like, there is no food for them to eat. And George said, all right, we'll take the 300 children in this orphanage into the dining room, have them sit at the table. And he uh, stood at the front of the cafeteria and he thanked God for the food. And he waited. And I'm sure he thought, you know, they got to go to school. Like there's like a timing on this, God, you know, like we got to feed them breakfast. But George knew God would provide food for the children as he always did. And within three minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. And I got up and I baked three batches for you. I'll bring it in. Soon there was another knock at the door, and it was the milkman. His cart had broken down, 
in front of the orphanage. (laughs) And the milk would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed. So he said to George, could you use any free milk? And George smiled as the milkman brought in 10 large cans of milk, just enough for 300 thirsty orphans. George Mueller thanked God before he even saw the answer to his prayers. I love that. And when you start to worry, remind your worry of God's faithfulness to you. Remind your worry of all the ways that God has provided bread and milk at the very last moment. Remind your worry. God has not let you down and he won't do it now. He is not the kind of God that fails. Yeah, give him some praise right there. Thank you, Jesus. The worship team's gonna come. We're gonna close here in a song. But as Mary continues with her song, she touches on so many more attributes of who our Father is. I wanna show you just a few. Uh, Luke 150, it says, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. God is merciful, he's gracious, he's tender toward us. He, he forgave the Israelites countless times. He showed them mercy when they were complaining about food. And it, it, he showed them mercy when they were sinning against him. Instead of bringing them the judgment they deserved, he said, look, hey, humanity, you're screwing it up. So instead of giving you the judgment you deserve, I'm going to give you Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to give you Jesus. He had mercy on them. He gave them a savior. And now he shows mercy to us and forgives us when we confess our sin and come to him through Christ. Luke 151 goes on and it says, he has shown strength with his arm. This is Mary singing. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. He's exalted the lowly. I love that this shows God is tender, but God is tough. He is mighty. Mary's heart is filled with praise because she knows the world will be a different place because Christ is about to come. That Christ will be an advocate for the poor and the lonely and the broken and the helpless. I could go on, but what's the overall message of Mary's song? It really is this, that God shows mercy to those who don't deserve it. That he chooses the lowly over the proud. That he finds the hungry and fills them. That he always keeps his promises. That God is always on the side of the hurting. That he is always advocating for those who can't take care of themselves. That God is at home with the humble and the tired and the weak and the lowly of this world. And that God does business with those who fear his name. God does business with those who fear his name. So here's how I wanna end, would you stand? And I just wanna real practically today, real practically, not even uh, emotionally or emotionally charged, I just wanna very practically turn our worry into worship. And so if you, if you just close your eyes while you're standing there for a minute, and I want you to just kinda gather up all the things that you're worried about, just, Just kind of gather them in the corners of your mind. Is it something with your family? Is it something with your work? Financial? Is it physical? Just gather the things up. Pick them out of your thoughts. Peel them off your chest if that's where it feels tight. And just sort of metaphorically hold them in your hand, okay? So kind of imagine picking them out of those thoughts of your life, just holding them right in your hand. You might even want to squeeze your fist just to show kind of 
metaphorically, here's, here's the worries I got. Worry strangles joy. We know there's good news and great joy, and we know Jesus wants to infuse us with new joy today. So for these next few minutes, we're just going to take all our fears and our failures and our worries, and we're going to hold them out to Jesus. We're just going to give them to him. We're just going to say, hey, hey, Jesus, here's my worry, and I'm just going to turn it into worship today. I'm just going to exchange my worry for worship And so you might even want to just extend your hand, just just extend your hands out to the Lord right now as if you're saying, here's the worries, here here they are. You don't have to tell anybody what they are. That's just between you and Jesus. And as you extend those worries out, that you turn them into worship, just like Mary taught us today. And so I'm going to pray for us and then the, the team is going to lead us in this song. Just hang tight a couple more minutes here. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this sort of activator moment for us. Father, I thank you that every time we come to you with a worry, God, that you you hear us, that you're tender toward us. There's nothing too small. There's nothing too big. I thank you, Lord, that you want us to live in joy, that you want that worry to be uh, just... in in your lap, in your presence, so that we can live in in joy and we can stand in in great freedom in you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that right now we could just turn our worry into worship, that we could remember your faithfulness, that we could trust that you are big, whether we're seeing you right now from a perspective in our backyard or in a telescope or we're walking on the moon, God, that you're big, we're small. And these worries that we have, God, you can take care of. We trust you for that. We know that you're doing a good thing and a new thing. So Lord, meet us here this morning. We love you. We worship you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
Help us remember your faithfulness. We take our worry and we turn it into worship. Pour your joy on us completely. You're holy and righteous and good and sovereign and all-powerful. God, we are small, but you are big. And so we trust you more and more every day. And it's in your strong name I pray. Amen. Amen. We'll see you this Friday at 2 or 4. Have an incredible week. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.